coming up on today's swim episode. So in your studio setup, ideally, you want to have equal distances between your head or your ears and your monitor and then that monitor with the other monitor. So in other words, from your left ear to your left monitor. This is Swim Success with Music. Yo, what up music fam? This is Walt. This is Success with Music. I am your music coach and you are listening to Swim, a podcast for singers, songwriters, beat makers, producers, music students. We are about the music life. Yo, I appreciate you tuning in to today's episode. My name is Walt, and I'll be taking you through some helpful information today regarding monitors. And when I talk about monitors, I am talking about speakers for your studio. And I want to explain that in the simplest terms because some of you may be new to setting up your home studio or getting into the music game. So I want to make sure that I leave nothing to chance. So yeah, man, we're talking about studio monitors and how to get the best out of your studio monitors. But fair warning, though, if you happen to be someone who's more advanced, we're not going to get into deep concepts of physics and mathematical equations to set up your studio. So if you're on that level, uh, this is not the episode for you. Again, this is for those of you who are just getting started or you've been doing it for a while, but you're just looking for a better sound and just a better response from the speakers you have all right so let's get it all right so i'm very excited to get to the subject today i've been wanting to talk about this for a while and this episode is sponsored by our new online learning course and it's called the swim master melody course the swim master melody course Go over to our site to check out a quick video on it. It's on our main page. And so here's a quick snapshot of the course. It's really designed to help you take your songwriting to the next level. And if you think about it, all songs, whether it be music driven, whether it be driven by vocals, you need a strong melody. That's what's going to draw people in. That's what's going to cause your song to be remembered. And this course, the Master Melody course, will give you some key building blocks for getting that done. And the course goes far deeper than we can here on a typical podcast. All right. So check it out. It's definitely worth the investment. All right. So let's get back to the subject of monitors, right? So I am going to start today's episode as though you don't have studio monitors. And then we can kind of back our way into talking about a few tips for those of you who do have studio monitors. So why in the world would I talk about studio monitors and then say, Let's start with those who don't have studio monitors. Well, number one, (laughs) they're crazy expensive, in my opinion. If you want a really good set of monitors, they can cost like several hundred dollars at least. So quick story, right? So way back in the day when I first got started and I first created my home studio, I had these amazing pair of studio monitors. I couldn't afford it at the time. I was just getting started. Uh, in the music world and and being self-employed and all that. Uh, So my brother, he bought me a pair of these studio monitors. So I had these monitors set up in my apartment slash studio. And then I was moving to a bigger apartment slash studio back back in the day because I had a kid at that time. And so my first kid, he was 
I don't know, like a few months old. So we're moving to a place that had one more bedroom. So my friends came over, my boys was helping me, they were helping me move. And you can imagine what happened. One of my dudes grabbed the monitor and magically dropped my monitor. Man, I was so, so frustrated and heartbroken. And after that point, I went without monitors for a very, very, very long time just because I was trying to get my my studio off the ground and I just wasn't willing to pour money into a new set of monitors. The point is, I want to talk to you guys today, kind of walking from the vantage point of not having monitors into those who, again, have the monitors. All right, let's do it. All right, so first thing, monitors obviously are meant to help you get a clear view of your music. So when you don't have monitors, proper monitors, maybe you're using stereo speakers or an amp or, or what have you, my, rec- my first recommendation for you is to get a really good set of headphones. Yep, I said it, headphones. Now, with that recommendation, I probably have lost some of you audio files out there, the people that feel that you're the, the most knowledgeable in the world. I get it. And I've seen so many arguments, heard so many arguments about not mixing and monitoring with headphones. But again, if you don't have monitors, the next best thing that you can do is get a decent set of headphones, preferably with a response, with a wide response in terms of frequency, meaning the very low end up to the high frequency. So at least you can get a full spectrum of sound. So that's number one. Do some research online and figure out what set of headphones would be good for monitoring purposes. Next, I highly recommend if you don't have monitors, and you should do this even if you do have monitors, check out your music on different sources. Play your music with, hopefully, your headphones. Play your music on your speakerphone, on your on your smartphone. Take your music into your car. Play it there. Take it over a friend's house. Play it on different systems. Play it with with different headphones. And this will give you some indication as to how your music sounds in different places. Next thing, I highly recommend using a reference track when you are trying to tweak your sound and dialing your sound, especially if you're at the end of your song creation stage where maybe you're at the mixing stage or you're at the mastering stage, I highly recommend using a reference track. Now, many of you already know what a reference track is, but for those of you who are new to this, let me explain. A reference track is simply a commercially released song that you compare your song to. So if there's a national or international artist out there that operates in the same genre that you do, grab the song and play it on these various sources that I mentioned and compare your song to this commercially released music. And again, you do this on all systems. So in other words, play your song and then play that artist song on with, with your headphones. Play your song, play that artist song in your car, and so on and so forth. The point is, and I've done this before, I'll carry a pen pad or break out my phone and open up my um, my notes area. I'll, I'll start making notes in my song. Like, so the lower frequencies in the song, how do they sound compared to mine? And I'll start to pick apart my song. Like, hey, you know, do I need to bring up my frequencies? I don't know, I'm going to make up something here. Near 50 hertz, do I need to bring it up? How high do I need to bring it up? Do I need to bring it up, you know, three decibels or six decibels? 
I'm comparing every aspect of my song to that song on these various systems that I mentioned, these various audio systems, just to figure out where am I missing it because I don't have, let's say in this instance, my studio monitors, then this is the next best thing. So you're looking for loudness. How does your song compare in terms of loudness? How does your song compare with low frequencies as I just mentioned? Is a commercially released song very robust and thick on the bottom end? And how deep are these frequencies going? And you want to examine the highs in the song or the treble if you want to kind of reduce it down to basic terms. So I'm looking to figure out if my stereo is as deep and wide as this commercially released music. Side note, it's important if you're going through this exercise to match the genre. So that's why I mentioned that at the beginning. So these are just a few things you can do with a reference track, especially if you don't have monitors. And so by going through this exercise, you'll come closer to a better sound all without monitors. Okay, so let's take one step forward in this whole process. Let's say you are at the point where you want to purchase monitors. I've seen so many arguments uh, from people and heard so many arguments about this brand is trash and this brand is best and this brand is whatever. To me, when you are choosing your monitor for your studio or you're getting ready to buy your next set of monitors, I find that you need to do your own research. I think it's best to go into your local music store and just check out uh, a track and just kind of just punch in different um, monitors that they have in the store to figure out what hits your ears best. Some monitors, people claim that they add things to the mix. Some people say that they take things away. Some people say that they're not flat. Again, kind of going to the point I just made a, a second ago. And these are these types of arguments that will have you going in circles to the point where you don't know what kind of monitor to buy. So here are some thoughts about when you get ready to purchase your monitors. One, I personally believe that getting monitors that have a larger woofer would be helpful. And I believe it's helpful for the lower end frequencies, getting a better sense for how the low frequencies that you're producing or writing for are coming through. So... If you can, get monitors that have 8-inch woofers or speakers. And the next thing is I would purchase powered monitors. When you have a speaker like that woofer that I just mentioned, it takes energy to power that monitor. Well, you don't want to get a passive monitor. You want to get an active monitor, meaning the monitor has a self-contained amplifier within the unit so you don't have to worry about extra gear. You just plug it and you play it. So. Having a powered monitor setup is best. Beyond that, alluding to my previous points about speaker size and things like that, if you're you know, in the genre of, let's say, dance or trap or some of the modern um, genres, it would be phenomenal if you can get a subwoofer added to your system. Having a subwoofer 10 inches, 12 inches will be incredibly helpful in feeling those low end frequencies. If you can swing the money for that setup at your home, I would most certainly go for that. And last little tip here, if you are in the market to buy monitors, make sure you buy shielded cables. Recently, I was uh, in my studio. I kept hearing weird buzz, like buzzing, like from my laptop when my laptop was near the speakers. And and I've done a whole bunch of things. I would plug the speakers in different places and I would move things around the room and swap wires and all of that. 
And at the end of the day, my my cable simply needed to be shielded. So just make the extra investment and purchase shielded cables for your monitors. Don't cheap out on that part of it. And if at all possible, make sure that the length of the cable for each monitor, that they're the same length. So in other words, you don't want to have a 20-foot cable going to one monitor and then a three-foot cable going to the other. I won't go into a lot of science here. I promise that physics will not be the core of what we do today. But the longer cable will stand to lose more energy as the signal is traveling down that line than a shorter cable. As a result, you may wind up with an imbalanced presentation of your sound. So just keep that in mind. Okay, so let's move on to the next thing here. You have your monitors, your new monitors, or the monitors you've been working with forever. Here's a major recommendation that I have for you. This kind of goes back to monitor basics, but I believe it's very, very important for those of you who don't know. I highly recommend forming the golden triangle. I made that name up, but it's it, it kind of works. So in your studio setup, ideally, you want to have equal distances between your head or your ears and your monitor and then that monitor with the other monitor. So in other words, from your left ear to your left monitor, let's say there's six feet of distance. Well, that means that from the left monitor to the right monitor, there should also be six feet. And from the right monitor to your right ear, there should also be six feet. That gives you this perfect triangle. That is the ideal listening position for your studio monitors. Now, again, the distance of six feet is an arbitrary number. You may want to have it a little smaller, maybe like four feet, five feet, depending on your desk size and things like that. So your desk will kind of dictate what the distance is between the left and the right monitor. If this does not make sense to you, go to this episode's page and look at the image that I have there. It will make perfect sense. And by the way, this is episode 50. Next tip for you. With your studio monitor setup, make sure that on your monitor cabinet, on the speaker itself, make sure that it's standing vertically, not horizontally. I have seen so many pictures of people's studios online where they have their monitors laying down on the side. And you you don't want to do that. You want to make sure that your tweeter, that it sits vertically above your woofer or your main, hopefully, 8-inch speaker. When you lay your cabinet on the side, meaning the larger speaker or the woofer is, let's say, to the left or to the right of the tweeter, you create this imbalanced projection of sound to your ears with respect to the triangle that we just created. So in other words, if you move your head in the right way, you're going to miss some of the frequencies coming from the tweeters. And how the sound is hitting your ears with respect to the lower frequencies will be out of sorts. So that's why you want a vertical arrangement for your monitor. Stand up straight up. Next tip for you. With respect to that triangle, with respect to your speakers standing straight up vertically, you want to make sure that your speakers are at ear level. Ideally, you will have your monitor stands where you can adjust them up or down. So as you're sitting in your seat and you're looking at your screen, kind of relax there at your at your recording desk. The monitor should be ear level. They should not be way down. They should not be above your head. 
they should be right there pointing at your face. So if you look to the left, you're staring your monitor down. Same thing if you're looking right. You shouldn't have to look up or down as you're looking right or left. Again, ear level is ideal. Next thought, if you can, try to have some space between the rear side of your monitor and your back wall. So going back to that previous scenario, let's say you're sitting in your chair and you're staring at your screen. You look to the left, you have your monitor, you look to the right, you have your monitor. But behind that, behind your desk, try not to have things right up or a wall right up behind your monitor, if at all possible. I know sometimes we're kind of pressed for space, but if you can avoid this scenario, that would be ideal. The reason for this is bass frequencies project outwards in all directions. And much of that sound travels backwards and reflects off of the rear wall in the room. And it can cause some abnormalities in how you're monitoring your music. Now, I don't want to go into bass traps and things like that, but that's more kind of getting into uh, the area where you can kind of mitigate some of that if you don't have the space. Go ahead and look that up online. I'm not going to go deep into that, but just look up the phrase bass traps and people build these on their own. You can look at a ton of YouTube videos about folks who've, who've created their own little hookups for for that scenario. If you are in a position to where your monitors do have to sit along your back wall. Final thought. And if you can, kind of with my previous allusion to the bass trap, try to treat your room with some type of acoustic material. Ideally, you want to have professional acoustic foam on your walls, sound diffusion panels. That'd be great. But if you don't have that, do what you can to eliminate hard, flat surfaces in your room where sound will just bounce everywhere. Because again, that will ruin how you are monitoring your mix. So you can have the most elite of elite monitors But if your room is just bouncing your sounds all off the walls, you're not going to get a good idea as to what your music really sounds like given all of the reflections. So anything that you can use to absorb sound in your room, carpeting, foam, acoustic treatment, insulation, uh, it's kind of hilarious. I saw this dude on the online the other day. He had egg cartons, (laughs) I mean, everywhere on his wall. Whatever. It looked ugly, but I th- I kind of think it may have worked. I don't know. I'm not saying you need to go to that level, but eliminate as many reflections as possible. And that way you can get a better snapshot of your sound. And before we get out of here, I got a couple of things for you. Make sure you check out the Swim Master Melody course. Go to our main page, successwithmusic.com. Check out the video on the course and what you can learn in the Swim master melody course it's on our main page and uh while you're there you can see links to find us on spotify and apple podcasts make sure you subscribe so as we drop this content you can keep up with us yo don't just sit there go make some music hey i'll check you next episode